welcome to episode 246 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 11th of September 2023. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Greetings. Graham. Good evening. And Will. Hello. Never forget. Anyway, before we get started, Graham, you want to mention the Ubuntu Summit and looking for Creative Commons music recommendations. Yes, I'm involved in organising the Ubuntu Summit this year. It's happening in Riga, in Latvia, early November. And one thing that we thought would be a great idea would be to use Creative Commons music in between the room changes and also online for the streaming version of it. And really, I just wanted to say, if anybody's got any music that's Creative Commons that they think is worth sharing, maybe you could email us here at the show and we'll take a listen to it, I'll take a listen to it. And anything that's great, we'll put forward and we'll use it in the summit. I'm even going to... I threatened to create some music, but that's really <laughs> to clear the auditorium at the end of yeah. well, I was going to say, you could use my um, repetitive nonsense album, but that would probably clear the auditorium as well. <laughs> okay, so we're sorted for that bit. So we- <laughs> well, when I used to do Foss Talk Live back in the day, back in the before times, I downloaded a load of stuff off Jamendo that was sort of trancey type stuff that was very inoffensive, and I would play that between shows. So I've probably got a zip file of that somewhere that I could send you. So if no one submits anything, I've got you sorted. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I think that'd be great because you could have it up on a screen a bit like a sort of master jukebox and, you know, it might introduce those artists to people that wouldn't necessarily have listened to them before. It's quite a cool idea. Thanks for saying that, Phelan, because that's exactly, I should have said this, that's exactly what we're planning to do. <sighs> Another one of my ideas I already thought about. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe, maybe maybe you could be the judge and you could choose Phelan's favourite music from the, uh, yeah, from the summer. I thought we already had that clear the room stuff covered. <laughs> well, show at latenightlinux.com for suggestions or if you want to get older Graham. Let's do some news then and let's start with amazing news. Steam on Linux usage spikes to nearly 2% in July, a larger market share than macOS. Get in. It's the small wins mm. you have to take, I think. And it really is a small win. When you're this bitter, that's good, though. <laughs> it is somewhat significant, though, because macOS is, you know, it's a pretty serious player, albeit not for games, especially since the transition to uh, ARM machines. But nevertheless, you know, I think we have to take the win. Generally, the numbers are going up all the time anyway, so that 2% is not quite the same 2% as it would have been a few years ago either. So that's a huge number of people. And it's interesting that it's not all the Steam Deck either. Nearly half of it is the Steam Deck, let's be honest. Yeah, but that's still a win for Linux. Yeah, the only thing I found strange was the fact that Arch Linux is just Arch Linux. Manjaro is too. But, say, Ubuntu, they have seemed to have, like, the point releases as a difference. So, like, there's, like, 7.38% is Ubuntu 2204.2. And for 2204.3 is something like 2% roughly, if I can remember correctly. I haven't got it in front of me, but yeah. They seem to have a breakdown of the point releases on Ubuntu, which is really strange, so I don't know. That just must be to do with how the distro reports to Steam, surely. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, there's a fairly large whack that is other, and Mm. I'd love to see a bit more detail on what that means. Like, have they just got nothing, or is that like a string of like hundreds of different distros? I'd love to get a bit more sort of low down in that. Or is it people who've hacked their distro so much that it just doesn't appear to be what it really is? Yeah, maybe. Or they don't have LSB release installed. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Being cynical, I would imagine that that was a little bit of a ploy to make Ubuntu seem less 
important in that countdown Mm -hmm. if you added all the ubuntu's (laughs) together i wonder if it if it is actually a bigger number but interestingly it cannot be a bigger number than steam os even if you took all of the others and you added them with uh, ubuntu you're still only at about 35 percent or something so the real story here is in my opinion, is not so much a success of Windows, but the success of SteamOS, the success of the Steam Deck, and the fact that people are generally keeping the SteamOS on there and not ripping it out and sticking Windows on. I think that's exciting and interesting. I think 2% of people on Steam are using Linux, less so. You said Windows in there, but I'm not going to get you to redo it because I'm too lazy to edit it. So just imagine <laughs> that he said Linux in there. Oh, well <laughs> it's all done, the same. Will. Nobody really cares. But yeah, you're right. It is a story about how massively successful the Steam Deck is. Yeah. And also Starfield released this last couple of weeks, which is Bethesda's huge new universe for RPGs set in space. And I think the reviews have been mixed. I've not played it myself, but it does run on the Steam Deck. Wow. In Proton, on Linux, on, on something that this is a, you know, AAA title in 2023 that requires everything, every AMD instruction you can throw at it. But it runs on the Steam Deck. There's, they should be able to get 30 FPS out of it and you can run it through Proton on your Linux desktop, which is amazing. Wow. Is 30 good for the Steam Deck then? It's okay. It's acceptable. I think for a game like Starfield, it's fine. I mean, 60 is ideal, but with a AAA title like that, which is hugely demanding on full-fat modern PCs and games consoles, I think 30 frames per second is win. It's the same as like a Zelda game on the Switch. Because that has only got a 60 hertz, 720-ish P screen in the deck. Yeah. And then APU, effectively. Yeah, yeah. A powerful APU, but nevertheless, it's not proper dedicated graphics in there. And it's also, you know, the size of a slightly bigger Game Gear. So <laughs> yeah, that's not bad for a proper AAA title to be 30 frames, I suppose. When it's running Windows executables. Mm. Yeah, but is it actually playable at 30? Like, isn't that a bit off-putting? Oh, stop. Your eyes no. only work at about 24, so just stop. Don't fall for that lies that all those gamer people keep going on about. It's all rubbish. 30 frames per second is the max. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it. I'm setting all my screens to 30 hertz from now on. Yep. As long as you move your mouse slowly, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about this, is, though, is the fact that because the Steam Deck is a thing that like developers might want to push towards and say, oh, should we support Linux? That'll just get a miss of, oh, no, no, no. But the Steam Deck being the fact that they're on valve's platform and the fact that it could be easy enough to just dump it from unity out into an executable that'll work with some tweaking we all get to benefit from that for like literally nothing and that's what i think is the greatest thing is the fact that if this keeps going up even if linux is a tiny percentage and steam os keeps going higher and higher we still win by the end of that and i love that fact if you twiddle these numbers around a bit that means i think then that Nearly 1% of users on Steam own a Steam Deck. I'm lying on the ground now having a seizure because I tried to do maths and I can't. It's not even maths, is it? It's statistics. It's like complicated maths. I'm not even going there. I think think you're right. Yeah. My math says if 1.96% of all users on Steam are running Linux and 42% of those 1.96% are running SteamOS... That's as close to one as makes no difference. He's getting into sort of Bernie Sanders territory there, the 1% or the 12%. <laughs> no. 
this is Anchorman 50% of the time it works 10% of the time. <laughs> Great news for Firefox, and that is that Chrome has rolled out enhanced ad privacy, which is the most fucking Orwellian term for something that I've heard in a long time, because it's not enhanced ad privacy. It is no fucking ad privacy. It's using this Topics API where it sort of works out what you're into from the websites that you've been visiting and then just tells any fucker who wants to know what those topics are. And that's better than tracking cookies, supposedly. I mean, you couldn't make this up. And now they're rolling it out. And I got this pop-up on Chrome. I only use Chrome to upload the YouTube videos because it just works better. Surprise, surprise, Google's YouTube in Google's browser. And I got this pop-up and it properly made it sound like it was going to be better and I instinctively knew, no, fuck you, no thanks. Mm. So I didn't go for this. But most people will just go, next, next, yeah, whatever. Okay, enhance, yeah, right, whatever. But this is really, really bad shit, man. I think, and I'm not qualified to state this as fact, but I think the idea behind the privacy aspect of it is that you don't have to use third-party tracking cookies, which track you across multiple websites. So in theory, this is better for your privacy in that website operator A cannot track you across websites B, C, D, and E and know that you've been to those websites. In theory, all they know is that you are into whatever your search terms are and whatever your browsing history is because of the sites you've visited. Yeah, and you definitely can't fingerprint that easily. Well, I think that the fingerprinting is happening you know, separately of this. So I think what actually happens is you do both. and that is anything but enhanced. So I think the, the moral of this story is don't trust Google to preserve your privacy. They are in the business of knowing who you are and what you do. Install Firefox and install an ad blocker. There really is no reason to stick on Chrome anymore. It's not even faster anymore. I don't think we actually mm. talked about it at the mm. time, but uh, I read a few months ago that Firefox is faster than Chrome now in most tests. You know, we'd like to give Mozilla a lot of shit, but they have actually, apart from all the other bullshit that they do with like <laughs> responsible AI and whatever. Steady. But the actual browser has improved significantly and is now at least on a par with Chrome in terms of functionality and performance, as far as I'm aware. It's still lagging massively behind in terms of market share, but maybe, just maybe, shit like this from Google will push people over and try it out. If you haven't tried it for a while, Give it a go. Yeah, I totally support and endorse that. If you are a holdout and you think ah, it'll be difficult to get Firefox the way I like it, please give it a go. I did it. I never thought I would, and I do not regret it at all. It's easy to get going. All of the extensions that you want are there. It's easy to get your passwords out of Google and into Firefox. It's easy to get your bookmarks out of Chrome and into Firefox. It's, it's really not difficult, and once you've been at it for a couple of days, you won't regret it. So do invest the time. I, mean, I don't want to go on too much about this, but consider this, right? Consider you live in a place where, I don't know, using Linux is really stigmatized and everyone just uses Windows and you may even uh, face legal jeopardy for using Linux. And you do some sly searches for Linuxy type stuff and then in front of your family using Windows, and then it knows you're into Linux stuff and it starts giving you adverts for Linux stuff. That's not going to be a good look, is it? And you may substitute Linux and Windows for other things there. 
I actually was fooled by your whole charade there for a second. <laughs> <Way in power. laughs> so I was thinking, what country do you get legally in trouble where you have this? <laughs> like, what? What's that about? Obviously, LGBTQ stuff, r- religious stuff. I, I get that now. Okay, there's no need to rub in the fact how slow I was there for a second. <laughs> All right. It's been a long day, Fredo. Yes. Yes, it has. <laughs> If it wasn't for the fact, and this this is why people use Chrome, if it wasn't for the fact that YouTube worked better in Chrome, how does it I work better? It. Explain it to me because I don't use Chrome, right? And I use YouTube on my Firefox thing all day, and it is fine. Right, I consume YouTube in Firefox. It works perfectly well. I get all my guitar videos suggested to me, except for when I go full screen on YouTube. It has the URL over it at the bottom in the bottom left. Huh. What? So I have to no. unfull screen it, move the mouse over to hover over something else that will be a link, and then refull screen it. It's a weird bug that I'm having across multiple machines. That's where I've never seen that. Me neither. Mm. But anyway, that's just mine or whatever. But otherwise, the experience is fine. What isn't fine is uploading to YouTube and filling in all the description mm. and stuff. And in Firefox, sometimes... It just fucks up the, all the spacing and line breaks and everything, and I have to go back and put them in afterwards. And really? in the end, I just gave up on Firefox and just went for Chrome for that. And so I'm just, oh yeah, and also the fact that they demand uh, 2FA for if you've got um, AdSense turned on. And so that was just easier in Chrome as well. Weird, because I mean, I've barely got any videos up there, but like, it's a couple of bug reports that I upload as videos, and I had no issue with it. No, I mean, it works. You can do it. You can upload your videos. I know. I mean, I know that's obviously stereotypically, it works on my computer, but yeah. But if you're doing it three times a week, like I am. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm not not disbelieving you i'm just i'm just confused by it it's weird yeah oh and also patreon makes it a pain in the ass to sign in now if you've got multiple accounts so i just have one signed in on chrome and one signed in on firefox so there's a you know it's a bit of a shit excuse to use it but uh there you are but yes in conclusion use firefox okay this episode is sponsored by people who support us with paypal and patreon go to latenightlinux.com support for details of how you can support us too. For $10 a month on Patreon, you can get access to an RSS feed that contains all the Late Night Linux family shows without adverts like this. There's also an option to get just this show ad-free for $5 a month. Some episodes are even released a day or so early for Patreon supporters. The ad market isn't great at the moment, and frankly, it's hard to find sponsors that don't want to do tracking bullshit, but so far, we've managed to resist that. So if you like what we do and can afford it, It'd be great if you could support us at latenightlinux.com slash support. All right, I think I have to preemptively mute phone in here. <laughs> Microsoft announces new Copilot copyright commitment for customers. So if you are a customer of one of their AI bullshit things, so this includes GitHub Copilot, the generative AI coding thing, and it produces something that gets you sued, Microsoft will back you and pay any fines that you have to deal with. This is potentially amazingly good news, right? Because it could fucking bankrupt Microsoft. Can you imagine that? <laughs> if there's a big enough, if there's a big enough case, go it could on. fucking sink them. I mean, that's just pie in the sky, obviously. But imagine there was like a massive class action lawsuit for billions and billions of dollars. And it just fucking just killed Microsoft. Dare to dream, man. I reckon that's what Microsoft's been trying to work out for the, for the last few months. 
Whether that can happen, whether they can defend against it, if it does, and they've decided it won't happen and they have enough momentum as Microsoft. And this needs to be said from Microsoft to be able to just crash through it like some amazing stunt driver through a load of trash in the alleyway. Or maybe driving like a dump truck through a wall that says, get Brexit done. (laughs) (laughs) In their details, there's a point point number three, which says Microsoft says, we have built important guardrails into our co-pilot to help respect authors' copyrights. So nothing to worry about at all then. Mm. Well, that's the funny thing, that that's the disclaimer. We will defend you as long as you use all our defaults, Mm. essentially. Mm. So that's a real easy way for them to get out of it. Oh, no, sorry, you changed this one setting, and so you're fucked now. And the other thing is, how long is it going to go on for? Like, are they going to get bored of this in a few years? But you're software's still out there and then you get sued what how many years down the road where they go oh yeah we finished that program a while ago you're uh you're on your own good luck with that keep dreaming father mm. <laughs> <laughs> how we both daring to dream on this look look this chat gpt i mean we can see it it's going down in search stats it's not as popular as it was even a year ago it's all going down the tube yeah no doubt ai for search is just ludicrous no one wants it For example, on mobile, if you search Google for countries in Africa that start with the letter K, (laughs) (laughs) if you've seen this, it says like there are no countries. The the closest (laughs) is Kenya, which starts with a K, but there are no countries that start with... It's just complete fucking nonsense. And why do you think that's any different in code? That's what I'd like to know. Why do people think it's any different? It demonstrably is different because it works. Yeah, especially for boilerplate stuff. It it saves you a lot of time, doesn't it, Will? It does. I quite enjoy using it, that I could have a particular technical problem. Like, for example, most recently I was trying to use Pandas, the data science library in Python. Couldn't work it out. Started Googling it, and the results, the quality of the search results in Google are just garbage now. It's just videos and blog posts that don't really get to the nub of the issue. I asked ChatGPT and it gave me an answer that worked in about two seconds. It does work for the basic shit that I do with it anyway. Yeah, and you've used Copilot as well, haven't you? GitHub Copilot. For Copilot, where you, in Python anyway, where you declare a function and then put a comment in about what you want it to do and it can fill the blanks in, but using contextual information from your code, it's quite good. Yeah, it still needs that human touch to look over it. You don't want to totally rely on it, Absolutely. is my understanding. But it can save you a lot of time. Mm. And you know that's what the hype has got wrong, I think, is that it is a tool. It's mm. a very useful tool, but it's not the fucking be-all and end-all. It's not going to put people out of jobs and everything. It's like, mm. like an electric screwdriver versus a normal screwdriver, a traditional one. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to save you a bit of time, but it's not going to replace you as the person screwing in the screw into the wood i wish i could believe people could see through that but i really don't place that much trust in the fact that people in charge of stuff will see it that way they always are going to see how can we get rid of the lower class people in the company and just throw them away because we don't want to have to spend the money on them and yeah eventually it'll probably bounce back and they'll learn their lesson but a lot of people are going to get hurt in the instant in the in between times i think that's the only problem with that but also a lot of people are going to get more work done they're going to solve problems that they couldn't do before <laughs> they're going to be able to be more productive at work yes said the salesman in 1980 <laughs> with the pc that he was charging 5 grand for yeah 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 i think i've heard that one before 
you'll have more time to spend working outside of work hours on petty emails forever and never get finished. Well, anyway, this particular story where Microsoft seemingly just accepts that there are going to be legal challenges when it comes to copyright issues from generative AI, it tells me that they have to acknowledge it. And this is sort of a desperate business move to stop people just pulling out because they see the numbers declining as the hype has worn off, the the sheen has worn off, and people have realized that, yeah, it's quite useful for some things, but not going to replace people and, you know, everything. They need to be able to say, hey, look, you know, don't worry about this. We'll cover you if there's any issues. It it seems like a, a desperate move to me, them having invested all this money in OpenAI. It really doesn't feel desperate to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just... I think everyone's got to consider this is very early days for AI. I know this is territory we've gone over and over before, but I think this is just the very beginning. And so Microsoft being relatively cautious, it's taken too long, I think, to make this kind of announcement. But do you not think that it's so early that why are they making a very, very blanket statement like this? Now, they haven't given us details, but do you not think it's a bit scary that they're prepared to sort of weigh in on this? Does that not prove how bluff and bluster that it might be. What, that they've had to do this relatively early? Yeah, relatively early, but also the fact that we haven't even seen like proper analysis of the data that they've used to generate the models and things like that. And, you know, they're going in and going, oh, we'll indemnify mm. you before any of the real problems have come out. Whereas... I doubt we will, but to me, it's it's like, um, it reminds me of like a property owner moving their fence mm. slightly out. And then if if nobody notices that the fence being pushed into somebody else's territory for long enough, it just becomes their land. It's often cheaper to indemnify against something where you think there is relative little risk of it becoming true than there is in investing money in all of that tedious abiding by the law nonsense. Mm. Uh, you, like Graham's example, when you buy a house and they haven't got all the electrical certificates or whatever, you can just buy an indemnity against that for not very much money, problem solved, all nice and legal and above board, done. It's funny how you talk about AI, Graham, and like how it's early days and, you know, we never know what's going to come of it. I'm sort of taken back to three years ago during the dark days of lockdown when we were talking about NFTs and you said the same shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's a fair point. But I, you see, I'm just so naive. I believe in the technology (laughs) and the kind of the maths behind it and then forget that people are fucking idiots and exploit (laughs) things and make everything shit for the rest of us. Yeah. That's why I have such a low opinion of people that I think they're always in with the shit angle. I don't think anybody's trying to help anybody. (laughs) No, I I think that um, you're right to be somewhat bullish on the potential of AI. We really don't want to, like, failing you are totally getting muted now, but uh, (laughs) it does have potential, but we just need to really dial back the hype. And stop calling it AI. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. But it's just another tool in the box, as far as I'm concerned, and a very useful tool for certain applications, and that's it. It's the double claw-headed PHP hammer, is what it is. It's already working, Phelan. I use it. It's, like, really useful for lots of things, and it is. And whatever it's called, it's just a name. Words don't (laughs) stick. They're fluid. You know, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless you're French. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) French-Canadian. And if you're listening, chat GPT, I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. (laughs) Oh, no, we've lost Will. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's do a sort of mini KDE sauna then. Ha ha ha, corner with an X. That is terrible. We did one of these before ages ago. Anyway, just a very quick Zubuntu development update. And that is that they finally fixed Bluetooth headphones in 2304. Something that uh, turned out to be just a bit of a uh, goof, I suppose you would call it. And something that made me rip pipe wire out to, to make Bluetooth headphones work and Bluetooth audio and speakers and stuff, which I rely on quite a lot. So it's good to see that that's happening and that Sean is still plugging away at Zubuntu, even though he wants to just go and work on elementary OS, really. Yeah, this is a nice fix. There was a feature that was talked about for pipe wire. Oh, I don't know. We covered it a long time ago. Maybe it was called SBC or something like that, which was the high-quality audio listening and high-quality audio microphone at the same time. And in order to make that work, you had to have pipe wire. I've anecdotally heard from people that it works fine. I I never tried it because I didn't want to faff around installing packages and whatnot. So to hear that this is, is now in is good news. So I will be upgrading, well, I don't know. Who knows? At some point. Ah, so does that mean that I might actually be able to make calls with Bluetooth headphones? Yeah. On Subuntu. I've just totally written that off. It's just not something I think I can do with Linux. So, ah, if this does, right, I'm going to have to test this. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll have to test it and uh, get back to you in a future discovery, maybe. Good news. I bookmarked the page where we talked about this. It's called MSBC, oh. and it was in May 2021. And there's some instructions which are now probably out of date on how to uh, enable it, but I'll post the link in the channel, and if it's relevant, you can reshare it. Two and a half years, good hours of Ubuntu, keeping right up with the times. (laughs) Shut up, you. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and the mini KDE corner thing is that we've now got a release date for Plasma 6, or at least a release month. Yeah, so February 2024, and this is quite interesting, and it's good to see that they want to push things and they want to make sure that they're done. Because they, uh, they've been releasing stuff of late. In fact, only this week we had framework updates and, uh, various app updates for the 22 or sorry, 23 of eight. Jesus, I can't believe what year it is even. So yeah, uh, it's nice to see. And we know that things are going to stretch on a bit longer, but yeah, so February and that's good because we didn't want them to rush it. So happy days. And Nate has a great set of blog posts about it all. And they've even done cool things. Like I saw a thing the other day about K-Runner getting about a 30% increase in speed by cutting out some of the excess code that they didn't need or ideas that they had prior to this. And then there's also things like in the Akinati, they've done a whole lot of work where they've ripped out a whole lot of these custom functions they had for SQLite handling that they had to do themselves because at the time SQLite didn't do it, but now all that's gone away. So SQLite's going to be there, uh, all the all the work on cleaning these things up. It's looking really promising, so hopefully not a KD4. <laughs> you said they're taking the time over it, but February 2024, I mean, what, Halloween's in a couple of days, Christmas is in a couple of weeks, no, it and isn't. February's going to be before we even know it. Couldn't be. It feels like that to me. No, no, this is uh, January 2023. I don't know what you're talking about. You're clearly delusional. I tell you, man, February 2024 is going to come around very, very quickly. In fairness, though, they have been working ahead of time on this quite a bit. So I think that'll put them at about a year and a half almost, if I'm right in remembering when they started cleaning stuff up midway through the previous cycle. Right, well, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll have some discoveries and who knows what. But until then, I've been Joe. 
I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.